You're listening to Direction for Life broadcast with Drs. Herbert and Marsha Bailey. For more information, visit rightdirection.info. We hope you enjoy today's broadcast. The Lord said to Prophet Samuel, you have mourned long enough for Saul. The he said, I have rejected him as king of Israel. So fill your flask with oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there. For I have selected one of his sons to be my king. Verse 6. When they arrived, prophet Samuel looked at all the children, looked at Eliab and thought, surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance, his height, his muscles, his intellect, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. Look to someone and say, the Lord don't see things the way we see them. People judge by the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. People judge by how many followers on social media, but God looks at the diligence. Then Jesse told his son, Abinab, to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. He's a cute boy, but he ain't the one God chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shimea and said, he's smart at school. He was on a roll. He never did a thing wrong in his own entire life. Surely this has to be someone. But prophet Samuel said, neither is this awesome child of yours the one either the Lord has chosen. And verse 10 is very critical. In the same way the Bible reads, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Someone said the Bible said all. The Bible said all. What do you do when it looks like even the word done forgot about you? Verse 11. Then Samuel asked, are these all your sons you have? Then he goes, wait, oh man, there's another one. There's still the youngest, Jesse replied. But he's, but, as if he doesn't count because he's too busy doing other things. But he's out in the field watching the sheep and goats. It'll be too inconvenient, Prophet Samuel, for us to bring him in front of you. And I thought about this as we tap into this during second service. The Prophet Samuel knew it would require inconvenience to see the eighth one. So he said, send for him at once. Said Samuel, we will not sit down to eat until he arrives. The father, Jesse, was willing to get the party started without his last son being seen in front of the prophet. Because it might have been too inconvenient to go pull him from a place of inconvenience where he's called to serve and tend in a season of inconvenience. If you have been inconvenienced in any area of your life, your career, or what have you, I need you to stretch your hands to God right now. God, we ask you right now to help us make this text make sense to us. Lord, help us understand that it's not our will but yours, but you are a God that can bless us and touch us in places that we're unfamiliar with. Right now, we release anybody or anything that's holding a grudge in our heart so that we may be clear and hear your word of God with clarity and Jesus' mighty name, someone say amen. I want to introduce the title to you this way, uh, church. Look to your neighbor and say, shh, I'm God's best kept secret. I'm God's best kept secret. You don't know me. Look at someone and say, shh, I know you don't know me. I'm God's best kept secret. I'm God's best kept secret. Can we handle God keeping our, our life our path, a secret. Can we handle it? 
In 1 Samuel 16 and 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Samuel, you have more long enough for son. But the scripture says, I have selected one of his sons to be my king. The word selected has an ED at the end of it. It means it's past tense. It's not that I'm going to look to find another king. I already was prepared for Saul to be unprepared at what I tried to prepare him to do. So Saul makes a mistake. The first king, someone say the first round pick. The first round pick, but who everyone was cheering for, who looked like they deserved the role. They're tall, they're bright, they're strong. So even though while everyone else is praising for the first round pick, God is already preparing someone else who's called to be in that position. And it made me think about everyone in here who understands the game of football. We're all going to be gathered. Ah, I feel glory. And we may be at dad's house. But we're going to be doing the holiest thing in the world. You ready for this? Every man say it at the same time. We're going to be watching the Super Bowl. I felt the power of God on that. It made me think about the Super Bowl. And I thought about who we all agree is to be the best quarterback in the world. All of us agree. We all agree because everyone in here values the man that God selected before times. And if you know what the spirit is saying right now, let's say the name together. Tom Brady. Don't roast me online. I'm not praising Tom Brady. But I thought about Tom Brady and I thought about how, you know, he wasn't selected as a first round pick. Matter of fact, he was picked in round six in the year 2000. And he was the 199 pick. And if you know anything about quarterbacks, that means he was the last of the last. Because quarterbacks, at least at minimum, get picked in the first three rounds because of the role they play. Simply the role they're played, they're supposed to be needed on teams. So as much as his role was essential, he still was hidden in round six. And I don't know where you're hidden at and why you're wondering why you have not been drafted but God sent this curly hair, skinny jean preacher to tell you that you are about to get drafted and you need to give God praise because they would have never saw you coming. Look to someone and say, Shh, I'm God's best kept secret. So when the prophet Samuel arrived in a town called Bethlehem, where normally great players did not come from. Bethlehem historically was known for his farming. Big Red, it was known for, for his village. It was known, known for his rural places. But we also know of a number one draft pick that later came out of Bethlehem. His name is what? It's something special about places of obscurity when it comes to the righteousness of God. God will find you in places where no one thought anything dope could exist. If you're from the country, just give God a praise right now. If you're from a town that nobody knows about, if you're from a, come on, just go ahead, tell someone I'm from Talabi. I'm from, come on, stop, come on, whatever town you're from. If you're from a hard city, come on, a brick city that no one knows about, why would you get queen? Where you at, Brooke? You need to give God a praise. They arrived. Samuel took one look at Eli and thought he thought even the prophet thought that surely this is the Lord's anointed. 
But the Lord said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I rejected him. So in the same way, all the sons went before him, but none were God's choice. Someone say, I am God's choice. So God makes his moves concealed until it's time for them to be revealed. In Deuteronomy 29 and 29 and Proverbs in 25 and 2, we see clues that are confirmed facts of how God operates and how he's wired. In Deuteronomy 29 and 29, it says the secret things belong to the Lord our God. But what has been revealed belongs to us and to our children forever so that we might observe the word of this law. Proverbs 25 and 2 says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. Someone say conceal. But to search out a matter is the glory of kings. Proverbs 16 and 33. I, I put my heart on this scripture when I feel like I'm having a bad day or things are out of control. It says this. We may toss the coin and roll the dice, but God's will is greater than luck. Some of us, we found ourselves frustrated maybe even envious or jealous of someone who looked like they got lucky. And sometimes as much as we're people of faith, deep down inside, we're just wishing we had some luck. But God's saying, don't you rely on luck in this season. And don't you even covet something that the world believes in false reality. You have something called the spirit of faith. You have something called the anointing. And God has a plan for your life, a place for your life, a position, position for your life. But it requires a posture to release those three P's. It requires a posture. But you have to believe and know for God's word in your life to be true. Someone say God's will is greater. So Bethlehem is a small town. It's this village. And keep in mind, Jesus will be born there thousands of years later. But I was thinking about this. None of those other siblings of David was God's choice. None of them. And the prophet said, not only are we going to wait, I'm not even going to sit down until I see God's choice come before my eyes. You waiting for it, it's waiting for you. Prophet Samuel and all his royalty, because he was assigned to the king of Israel, he was assigned to the royal castle or, or stronghold, he was a person of status, Samuel wasn't broke and you would think if anything, they should start serving him. He said, hold on. Well, I'm not even going to sit down until I see the Lord's anointed. If you find your path, you'll find so many things standing, waiting on you. But you got to find your path and find where God has for you. So you don't have to be in every meeting. God is setting you up from the outside in. No longer are you worried that people left you out. Shh. You're God's best secret. No longer are you worried about them not sharing the email with you and not inviting you. Shh. You're God's best secret. No longer are you worried about them not calling you and you looking like you're in the in crowd. Or you get on social media and you're like, those are my friends. Why didn't they tell me they were going there? Shh. You're God's best kept secret. Well, when am I going to have a man? All my girls are getting married. I'm tired of being a bridesmaid. Shh. Hold up, princess, queen. You're God's best kept secret. When you get married, they're going to understand why you had to wait. Your royalty. God's going to work this thing in your life, but you must get into the necessary posture of recognizing that Ephesians 2 and 10 is on your life. For we are his workmanship. I know you're working on a lot of different things. 
I know you're working on getting married. I know you're working on your career. I know you're working on your, but you can't work on your life like God can work on your life. If you would just stop and hold up a minute and just trust that God has plans for you, Ephesians 2 and 10 will hover over your life. And what does it say? For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared past tense beforehand that we should walk in them. Someone say, God has something prepared for me. Someone say, God has already prepared it. They're both past tense, but I want you to catch with it with your brain. When you hear the word already, you recognize it's already done. So he already prepared it for you. Now it's time for you to walk, walk in it. It's time for me to walk in it. The, new, the Passion Translation says, we have become his poetry. We are, re, we are re- recreated people that will fulfill the destiny he has given each of us. For we are joined to Jesus, the anointed one. Even before we were born, God planned in advance our destiny and the good works we would do to fulfill it. Now, I finally got along to watch King Richard. I watched it and I saw the interview with uh, Devon Franklin and Will Smith. And I saw the interview. I said, let me watch this interview first. And I watched the interview without seeing the movie, but you know, I was hearing about what Will Smith was saying about faith and they were interviewing. But then when I watched the movie, I, I saw how the father was guiding his girls the entire way. And, and so Serena and Venus, and I don't know how, what it was like being a child under that type of leadership that woke you up to play tennis over and over again. But one thing I knew is that those girls were bought in with the plan of the father. And it's crazy how he was preparing his girls to represent all the little black girls on earth. He was preparing them. And I say that in a way because he was finally able to release what his agenda was when they were ready. And when you see the father in tears, not because he's concerned, he's in tears because his daughter's ready. But if you don't know those times they were practicing, I'm telling the movie, I'm so sorry, y'all. The times they were practicing, I remember seeing the signs on the fence, the words of affirmation around the place of obscurity. So that when everyone else rounds around the tennis court and they have something to say, those girls were programmed to see something else. I believe a lot of times God has us hidden. So he can get in us what he needs to get in us before people with the wrong motives try to place something in your life that doesn't need to be there. You think you're like, you think it's not fair that nobody knows you and nobody knows what's going on. God said, girl, you couldn't handle it if I released it to you too early. Son, you couldn't handle it if I released it to you too early. The fact that I'm hiding you is the grace of God. So we'll say I'm blessed that everyone doesn't know yet. Everyone doesn't know. Jeremiah 1 and 5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. Rhetorical question. What has God already done that he's just waiting on you to walk in? What has God already established, but he's just waiting on you to declare it? What has God already created for your life, but he's waiting on you to believe it? God might already taken care of it, but he needs you to receive and walk in it now. So my first point is this. Go get lost. Look to your neighbor. Be a little rude, but don't get in a fight. Say, go get lost. Some of y'all meant that thing. Go get lost in purpose, though. (sighs) Go get lost in purpose. Lord, I know we want the promises of God, but will we honor the purpose of God? 
And many times we want to focus on the promise of God. Lord, I want the promise. I want the promise. But before the promise is the process. And many of us think we're ready for the process. Well, I'm just in my process. But the truth be told, we're whining in our process. We don't have the best attitude in our process. The truth be told, we're not even willing to be settled in our process. We're looking at the process as preliminary. We're timing our process. Well, I'll just serve for this amount of years and surely God will do this. And if God, you don't do this in three years, I'm not claiming I'm in my process no more. I'm moving on. And the reason why we don't last long enough in our process and we're, will, and we're not able to obey in the seasons that God calls for our life to be in a preliminary stage is because we're not willing to be settled and we don't find purpose in our process. Someone say you got to find purpose in your process. David found purpose in his process. Jesse says, oh, there's my eighth son. Eight is the number of new beginnings. I think that's pretty cool. Find out later on this week at the revival how we're going to jump into that. Come out. Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But David was lost in purpose, but he found purpose in his process. He said, my son is out in the field, but he knew exactly what his son was doing. So he might have forgot about how to bring his son into this moment, but he knew what he was doing. He didn't say he's out playing around. He didn't say he's backslidden. He didn't say he's out, out there doing stuff and doing wild stuff. He said, oh, I'm so used to his consistency. I'm so almost overlooked his faithfulness. I'm so used to him showing up. He's always over there keeping the sheep. Who can vouch for you to say he's always, she's always. What are you doing that's consistent? What are you doing that you've been tending to and that people know daddy going to get that done. Mommy's going to do that. She's going to knock that out. He's going to knock that out. What are you doing? But the problem with understanding us and us receiving the fact that we're God's best secret. Someone say, I'm God's best kept secret. Watch out for social media believers. Us as Christians, as much as it is a tool, if you're not strong in your faith, it's designed to become something that rules. Social media can distract you and have you living in a season of admiration when you should be in a season of demonstration. And comparison kills conviction. And what takes you to your next level as a Christian always comes from a place of conviction, not comparison. And so comparison will have you measuring yourself. And the definition of comparison is when you measure yourself up with something else. Or when two things are compared, whether in similarity or whether they're not similar or dissimilarities between two things or people. But here's the definition of conviction. Someone say God moves through conviction. Conviction is the knowing, the inner feeling of what you believe or say to be true and strong. So let's go back to David, who was left out of Prophet Samuel's moment of selecting the next king. So while everyone else might have been comparing themselves to the other brothers, as Jesse is bringing forth all his seven boys, and they're probably like, well, Eli, I'm going to get it. No, he ain't. I'm going to get it. No, he ain't going to get it. I'm going to get it. No, I'm going to be the king. I'm going to be the king. I'm the king. Who the king? While they're all comparing each other as they go in line, God has David tucked away from all the clutter. He's out there keeping the sheep, just him, his responsibilities, and his God. Say it with me. Just him, his responsibilities, and his God. Let's say my, me, my responsibilities, and my God. Say it. Me, my responsibilities, and my God. So David's by himself, nothing to compare himself to. The only thing he can grow in is conviction. He's out there being consistent his responsibilities and his God 
And then David's first beastly bout wasn't with eyes on him. He was by himself. So the prophet Samuel says, that one, David, he's the one. Anoint him. So he anoints David to be the next king. But he has to turn now and go back to keeping the sheep. So as much as David is anointed for his next, his next is still rooted in what he does now. And some of us, we get on YouTube. Why am I here? We get on social media and we get one word from a man or woman of God that we don't know. Who does not do life with us. And we take that one little 140 character word and go do something that lasts 15 years. Blame God on something you saw out there in inspiration when you were supposed to be by yourself being diligent in demonstration. And you're wondering why you have no fruit because you're fragile. Because a fragile believer always needs a motivating word to obey. And God can't take you to a platform if you're too fragile because once you fall, you'll break. And the consequences of you breaking when you're called to be responsible for others is too high. So sometimes you're not at the level you need to be. It's not because you're just not ready. It's because you're not even in the posture to get ready. Because everything you need for your Goliath is rooted in that little flock you're keeping. Everything you need up there on that throne, David, is rooted over here while you feel by yourself. You need these little seven to eight sheep. Don't you touch these se- these seven to eight and sheep that our God's given me. This is destiny. This job I don't like, but I have oil here. This is my destiny. This 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 little this this little ministry that my people think you part of that little ministry. Yeah, I'm part of that little ministry, but we're doing big things. The thing that God called me to do. This is my my tithing that nobody knows or sees. This is my destiny. My first fruit offering that I can't tell my family about. This is my destiny. And I can't allow comparison to take what God has given me in conviction. Because conviction is my anchor. The glory. Conviction is my anchor for my next level. (laughs) David's first beastly bout was in Goliath. We all can talk about David and Goliath. But he found out he was strong in the Lord when it was just him and the bear. He found out that God was with him and knew and grew more. Now, see, 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 it's one thing to know that God is with you and his hand is on you. But the only way you grow in the knowledge that God is with you and his hand is on you, if you go through some things. And when you go through things and when you go through some things that are a secret. It can't be the public stuff because by the time you go through something in public, you're too distracted by what everybody else says. Girl, you did that thing. Girl, you did that. Man, you did that. I wouldn't have done it like that. You should have did it like that. And you have all these different noises coming at you. So God allows you to be in obscurity and allows you to be by yourself so that your ear can become sensitive to the voice that you would need all your life. Not just part of your life, all your life. So that you can be anchored in what he says over the volume levels of the world and the volume levels, Minister Joyce, over the distractions. Because someone say the distraction is coming. So David is keeping the sheep. His first beastly bout was the bear and the lion and he slayed them and nobody even knew it. Someone say nobody knows. Nobody's going to know. No one's going to know. They won't know. They won't know. They're not going to know. Nobody's going to know. 
They're not going to know. As you've done that, you have no idea what I'm talking about. So while David was on the backside of his mountain, tending the sheep, protecting the sheep, he was developing a conviction. He didn't hang out with his brothers while they were living their best life. He was being consistent where he was called to be consistent at. In 2 Timothy 2 and 5, it says, study to show thyself approved. When you live for someone else's approval and you don't even know you're already approved, you're wasting time. And that's what kills us if we're not mature enough for social proof. Some of us are looking for social proof in what we're called to do. And you need spiritual proof. Does the devil run when you come, when you show up? Do demons and devils know your name when you say Jesus? Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. This scripture is for Timothy because Paul's saying, listen, Timothy, you're called to be a preacher, but I want you being good at it. You're called to be a preacher, but I want you knowing that you know that you know. When you talk to these people who are older than you, when you steward my churches when I'm away, I need you to know that you know that you know that you're called. So I'm going to remind you about your grandma. I'm not going to remind you on the likes that you get and all the comments that you get. I'm going to remind you of your grandma, your oil that runs in your family. And for some of you all, God's saying this, I need you to know that you know that you know that you're my best kept secret. And even though it looks like everybody else is having their moment and everyone's going over there and doing what they want to do that I have you right exactly where I need you where I can place in your life what you need in your life so that you can have stability and not fall off a cliff with everyone seeing you as we continue to socially distance be sure to stay connected with us online stream our services on Facebook and YouTube as well as rdci.info via the watch live tab Sunday morning services are at 7:30 a.m. and 10:30 a.m. on YouTube Facebook and our website Wednesday Bible study airs at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Friday, Women's Bible Study airs at 12 noon via Facebook Live. Consider connecting with us as a partner or an iChurch member. More information about our partnership and iChurch member services can be found on our website at rdci.info. For consistent updates and encouragement, connect with us on social media through Facebook at Right Direction Church International and on Twitter and Instagram at the RDCI. Right Direction Ministries, transforming lives and impacting generations. If you are in our area, come join us at one of our three locations in Columbia, South Carolina. Sunday morning worship is at 7.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. Wednesday Bible study is at 12 noon and 7 p.m. Friday women's Bible study is at 12 noon. Our worship center is located at 3506 Broad River Road in Columbia. In Orangeburg, South Carolina, join us with campus pastors Trey and Katie Brave for Sunday morning worship at 10.30 a.m. and Tuesday evening Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located at 990 Willington Drive in Orangeburg. In Florence, South Carolina, join us with campus pastors Dwayne and Denise White for Sunday morning worship at 10.30 a.m. and Tuesday evening Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located at 1507 King Avenue in Florence. Please email your testimonies to praisereport at rightdirection.info or letters can be mailed to P.O. Box 21672, Columbia, South Carolina, 29221. Please consider partnering with us or send a one-time financial gift. For more information, visit our website at rightdirection.info 